The scripture for the day is found in the Gospel of John, chapter 10, first 10 verses. Jesus is speaking, and Jesus says, Very truly I tell you, anyone who does not enter the sheepfold by the gate, but climbs in by another way, is a thief and a bandit. The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep hear his voice. He calls his own sheep by name, and he leads them out with his voice. When he has brought out all his own, he goes ahead of them, and the sheep follow him because they know his voice. They will not follow a stranger, but they will run from him because they do not know the voice of strangers. Jesus used this figure of speech with them, but they did not understand what Jesus was saying to them. So, again, Jesus said to them, Very truly I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who come before me are thieves and bandits, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters by me will be saved and will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that you may have life and have it abundantly. This is the word of God. Thanks be to God. I don't really understand it, but one of the most popular shows during the 1990s was a sitcom by the name of Seinfeld. I never quite saw the attraction to that situation comedy, but it was very, very popular. It was a situation comedy about four single people living in New York City about their everyday lives. As a matter of fact, one time I heard Seinfeld described as a show about nothing. It was about the minutia of life, and there really usually was no plot or purpose to the lives and the situations of the characters. Not sure why that was such a popular show back in the 1990s for almost a decade. I am concerned that perhaps it resonated with far too many people. A life of no purpose, a life of no plot, a life that involves just meandering through life, a life that is always at the mercy of whatever comes on any given day. I hope that doesn't describe you because God wants so much more for you. And I hope that you want that so much more that God wants for you. Here in John chapter 10, Jesus is speaking, and Jesus is talking about who he is, and he's talking about who he wants to be to you and to me. Jesus is talking about himself here in this text, and he's using common images from the lives of the people of that day in the Middle East. He's talking about sheep and shepherds, and a sheepfold. Sheep aren't really very smart animals. They need a lot of help. So there are the shepherds to help to care for 
the sheep. Shepherds are vigilant. They are patient. They provide safety and security for the sheep. Particularly in the Middle East, sheep are kept for their wool, so they're not kept for food. And the shepherd spends a lot of time with the sheep. And there's an intimacy between the sheep and the shepherd. There's an intimacy to the point that, as our text says, the shepherd can call the sheep by name. Perhaps the shepherd has pet names for the sheep. And the shepherd calls the sheep by name that expresses the intimacy. And the text tells us that the sheep come to recognize the voice of their shepherd. And it is by the shepherd's voice that the shepherd leads the sheep. Shepherds never drive their sheep. Shepherds lead their sheep. And they lead with their voice. They lead by calling the names of the sheep. They lead the sheep to pastures. They lead the sheep to water. They care for the sheep. And the sheepfold then is the pen where the sheep are kept at night. In the Middle East, a sheepfold would be a small, perhaps, enclosure of a small rock wall. On top of the rocks would be branches and thorns, and that would be where the sheep would stay at night to be safe from from scavengers and from people who would steal the sheep. And there would be, of course, an entrance into the sheepfold, a spot where the wall was broken, and that would be the gate of the sheepfold. And the shepherd would literally lay across that open spot. The shepherd would be the gate or the gateway to the sheepfold, and the shepherd would provide safety and security for the sheep. The shepherd would actually be the point of access into the sheep fold. Well, according to the text here in John chapter 10, the people listening to Jesus, particularly the religious leaders that we encountered in John chapter 9 who are listening to Jesus, they don't understand what Jesus is saying. So, Jesus decides that he, being a good teacher, would explain to them what he means. He, of course, says that we are the sheep. We are those not very bright animals that need care and guidance and direction. And he, Jesus, of course, is the shepherd He is the one who lives in intimacy with us. He is the one who knows us by name and calls us by name and leads us with his voice as we listen for the voice of the shepherd. And he, Jesus also, says he is the gate, the gateway into the sheepfold. Twice in this text he says, I am the gate. So Jesus is saying that he is the point of access. He is the entrance into the security that belongs to the sheep. And he is the shepherd will guard that entrance to keep the sheep safe. And then at the end of the text that I read a few moments ago, Jesus is saying that as the good shepherd, he not only provides care, 
direction, guidance, safety, security for you, for a sheep, but that he even provides life, life itself. Chapter 10, verse 10 has Jesus saying, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. But Jesus says, I came. I came that you may have life and have it abundantly. The word there for abundantly in the Greek is a word that means super abundance. It means full and overflowing. It means above the ordinary. It is a life not just focused on fun and comfort and pleasure, but a life that's focused on something else, a life that finds a byproduct of peace and purpose and joy and hope and, and meaning focused on truth. I'm not sure that people in our culture today understands what makes for human flourishing. And sometimes we think what makes for human flourishing is just comfort and pleasure and fun. And nothing wrong with those aspects of life, but they are not the recipe for human flourishing. For humans to flourish, they must have more than just comfort and pleasure and fun. For humans to flourish, they must be the people they were created by God to be. The creator knows best how the creature should live. The shepherd knows best how the sheep should live. So here in John's gospel, when we hear Jesus saying that he is the shepherd and that he comes that we may have life and have it abundantly, this perhaps is the theme verse almost of the gospel of John. Because throughout the Gospel of John, Jesus is speaking about how he brings to us the gift of eternal life. Now, eternal life lasts a really long time. Eternal life is everlasting. But eternal life happens immediately when we come into a relationship with the living Christ. So eternal life is not necessarily the same as everlasting life. Eternal life is heavenly life, a life of the Spirit, a life of the Spirit that is given to us in Jesus Christ through the power of the Holy Spirit, the living Christ working in us and through us. That is the eternal life that we read about so often in the Gospel of John. Eternal life is existence, but beyond existence, it is true life, beyond true life. It is true life that is life in abundance. It is eternal life. This, particularly in the Gospel of John, this is what Jesus means by salvation. Salvation is not just something for the future. Salvation in Christ is something for the here and now. Salvation in Christ is a new way of living. It's life on a different, higher plane. Salvation in Christ is the gift that comes to us from the grace of God in Jesus Christ. And it elevates us above the mundane. It elevates us above mediocrity. It helps us to find the life. It leads us to the life for which we were created. 
So eternal life is everlasting. Eternal life is heavenly life. And it begins immediately here and now in this life when we enter into the fullness of a relationship with Jesus Christ. John Wesley, the founder of the Methodist revival, liked to make sure his people understood that salvation is not just something for the future, but salvation is something for the here and now. The deliverance that's ours in Jesus Christ is for the here and now. The life that is ours in Jesus Christ is for the here and now. In one of John Wesley's sermons, he said this about salvation. By salvation, I mean not simply the vulgar notion of deliverance from hell, or going to heaven, but a present deliverance from sin, a restoration of the soul to its primitive health in its original purity, a recovery of the divine nature, the renewal of our souls after the image of God in righteousness and true holiness, in justice, mercy, and truth. So salvation is not just a ticket that gets punched so that we can go to heaven one day as wonderful and as glorious as that is salvation is so much more than that salvation is not just a ticket that gets punched that keeps us out of hell but it's the work of god's spirit getting the hell out of us as we find a new way of living a new way of life as we find a life that is truly abundant. As Charles Wesley taught us to sing, he breaks the power of canceled sin. He sets the prisoner free. So this life that's given to us in Jesus Christ is far, far more than just an eternal, everlasting life insurance policy for the next world, as wonderful as that life will be but it's something also for the here and for the now. Church, I hope, I hope that you know the shepherd. I hope that you recognize the voice of the shepherd because the shepherd knows you. The shepherd knows you even far better than you know yourself. I hope that you know this shepherd who is also the gate, the gateway into a new life. And I hope that you're allowing the shepherd to lead you into this new life. Some of us, some of us have spent far, far too much time listening to strange voices listening to the strange voices of this world, those strange voices that pull us away from the life that is abundant in Jesus Christ. We spent too much time listening to the strange voices that come at us in this world, and sometimes we allow those strange voices to drown out the voice of Jesus, the shepherd calling us his sheep. I hope that you are more open now than you've ever been to listening for 
that voice. Perhaps in these strange days when we're dealing with the coronavirus, we have some extra time, some extra space in our lives. And that during this strange time, with this gift of extra time perhaps and space for some of us, we are seeking to hear the voice. We're seeking to spend so much time in the Word, spend so much time in Scripture that recognizing the voice of our shepherd will become second nature to us. There are forces. There are forces in the world that seek to destroy us. There are forces in the world that seek to destroy you. Jesus says that when he says the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. There are forces, there is a force in the world that seeks to destroy the children of God. And those forces could be false teachers here in John chapter 10. The thief can be who the Hebrews called Hosatan, the Satan, the accuser, the devil, evil incarnate, evil in its incarnations in the world. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. But then, but then there's Jesus who says to us, who says to you, I have come that you may have life and have it abundantly. But then there is always Jesus. Would you pray with me? For the gift of these moments, God, we give you thanks. For this time that we're sharing together, we give you thanks. For the ways that you're allowing worship to happen in our lives, in our homes, we give you thanks. And we pray, God, that you'll give us the gift to truly hear the voice of the shepherd and to answer his call to follow, to answer his call to enter into new life in the presence of our great loving shepherd. In the strong name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen.